What's up, Farmers? Welcome to the Farm Athletic Company podcast. I am your host, Andrea Warner. I am also the co-owner and co-founder of Farm Athletic Company. If you would like more information on us, please visit our website at www.farmathleticco.com. And now, on to today's show. What's up, Farmers? We are on episode number nine of the Farm Athletic Company podcast, and today we have special guest, Coach Eric. I don't know how special. So special. (laughs) So special. Such a special dude. (laughs) Happy to be here. So I'm super excited to talk to you because you are our newest staff member, so you're technically the new kid on the block, Mm -hmm. even though... I've been around the block. I won't say that (laughs) Sherry's the oldest, but... (laughs) I'm not far behind. I'm not far behind. Right there with her. Right. So what I think is really cool is when you came to us, and I've been slowly, if anybody's paying attention, we are slowly introducing each one of our staff members to the whole world. So we've been talking about, you know, how each staff member has come to be a part of our staff. You came to us through Indeed. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about you in particular is without meeting you, you sent us not only your resume, but you had a cover letter that blew our mind. <laughs> and what I would love to express to especially the generation coming up is how important proper writing is. Because text messaging and social media, I believe, is ruining people's ability to communicate through writing. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And when I opened your cover letter and it was a very professionally written, like proper introduction, proper salutation, proper closing, it's like, this guy's got his shit together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I did at that particular moment. Um, It took me a long time to write that. I, I, I rewrote that a number of times before. I was like, okay, this... Let's just just send that just send it and, and we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not a writer, and so I struggled a lot with that. So there's a lot of a lot of do overs before I sent that final draft. So I'm glad it worked. Yeah, it totally worked. <laughs> it was very impressive for not being a writer. Yeah. And what I'd like to emphasize to everybody is when you submit a resume, it's not just like, hey, let me throw out some things that I've done, so that you think that I'm impressive. Like being able to communicate what you want out of a job, what you're looking for is a, for you personally in a position, like what your long-term goals are, what you're looking to get out of it. That means a lot to people that are looking to hire. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we received that, I looked at Sherry and I was like, uh, this guy's legit. Like whether you believe you are or not. <laughs> <laughs> I have my moments. But it took it. You took what we put out into the world and you took it very seriously. I did. I mean, you had, you had a very lengthy and detailed job description. And I read through it a couple of times. I was like, I, that's, that's exactly what I'm looking for right now. That's, that's much different than the environment that I came from, the job that I was doing. I was still coaching, but, you know, I was doing traditional CrossFit coaching. And while I enjoyed it, it just it was always missing something for me. And so then when I read that job description and kind of where you were looking to go, I was like, I got to give this a shot. 
Now, I'm not gonna lie. When I when I posted my resume and I sent that cover letter, I was like, "Eh, we'll see." I wasn't overly <laughs> I wasn't overly confident that I'd even get you know uh, a response. And then a couple of days passed and I hadn't heard anything. I think it was I think it was almost five or six days from the time I sent it to the first response that I got. And at I that point, so. I had I had been applying to other places as well. And I was like, well. I guess that one didn't work out. So <laughs> on to the next, and then I got you guys' response, and we set up our set up our Zoom call. So yeah, yeah, I was very excited at that point. It was awesome because, and you know, for us, whenever we receive anybody's resume, you know, I look over it, Sherry looks over it, Mel looks over it. So you had multiple people review it before yeah. we all agreed. Yeah, we can contact this person for the first time and 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 pursue this a little bit further. So it's more than just. You're in. Well, yeah, and I had a feeling that's what the that that time that length of time was was a they're busy. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's not like I send it in and they're sitting by the computer just ready to read. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's the one. Who's been emailing us now? <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I couldn't be happier with uh, with having found that first of all because I think we talked about this before was by the time when I was looking through that was on like page six or seven. Because oh, wow. it had it had well it hadn't been updated in a while, yep. so it went behind all those other listings, and I just happened to keep scrolling that day because everything I was reading was like no that's not it that's not it that's right. not it, and you know, yeah had I been had I been a little uh, a little more impatient I probably would have never got to it so well I'm super happy that you did <laughs> as am I and when prior to coming on to us so you mentioned you were a CrossFit coach. Um, what exactly let's talk about your prior history for us let's talk about let's talk about coaching first okay so you were you were down in Key West you were in Washington state talk about hours worked environment tell us where how this evolution came about that Eric went from coaching for a hobby to deciding that Eric wanted to coach full time professionally well, it actually started before then, while I was still in the army. Um, as I progressed through the army, and you know, you take different leadership roles um, for you know the majority of the last ten years I was in, I was I was in charge of all the PT programming for whether it be my team or my squad or my my uh, platoon. So I was constantly uh, designing workouts, you know based around the army physical fitness test so it was you know a lot of running and body weight stuff it was never anything you know it was never anything like crossfit or you know um hit training or anything like that it was just basic movement stuff but that kind of gave me that exposure as how to how to control a group of people in terms of running a workout and and making sure that they were doing the exercises properly and all that kind of stuff right um it wasn't until I was stationed out in Washington um, that I finally went into a CrossFit box. I was very anti-CrossFit for a long time. Right. Um, I, had, I had met a bunch of guys while in the military that did it, and I was like, if that's what that is, I don't, like, I don't want any part of that. Like, just, you know, just a bunch of meatheads throwing, throwing weights around all over the place. And I was like, that was my first exposure to it, so I didn't really know. I was like, I don't, eh, yeah. I don't think that's for me. Right. But I got to Washington. I gave it a chance. I went to the, to 
to one of the gyms out there, met with the coaches, and he put me through a three-minute fit test and absolutely killed me. Yeah, uh, it was I know how that feels. Burpees and assault bike. That was it. Oh. And that was it. And I was done. I was laying on the floor for about 10 minutes. You know, I came in thinking I was in pretty good shape, and they humbled me very, very quickly. So that makes me want to lay on the floor right now without <laughs> even doing it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's how I got into a CrossFit gym. And within, I think within the first two months, I was like, hey, I need to go get my own one. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's, that's how that happened. Just like that, I was up in Seattle uh, earlier the following year. Got my L1, and then I, I got the opportunity later on to start coaching part-time at that gym. Nice. Um, and it was just, you know, a couple classes here and there when I could fit it in, you know, because I was still in the Army at the time. Um, and, yeah, so that's – so I got a little more experience that way. And then once I got out of the Army, I was like, okay, what do I want to do? Right. I wasn't really sure. Um, so I – Kind of hung out for a year. I was remodeling a house and not really doing much of anything outside of that. Finally ended up down in Key West. And I just kept showing up to the gym. Like I was just showing up to work out and, you know, doing a ton of rowing. I was always kind of off in the back private little area. Right. And one day the owner came up and he's like, hey, you got your L1, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, you want a coach? We need a coach. Okay. <laughs> sure, why not? Sure, why not? He's like, I figured since you're here already, you know, we might as well yeah. just put you on the payroll. So Come, come on in. Um, yeah, so that's how I ended up coaching down there. Um, learned a lot more at that particular gym than I had previously. Mm -hmm. um, very um, very hands-on owner. Jeff was fantastic, great coach. Uh, former strength and conditioning coach up at Penn State. Nice. Um, so he's really, 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 really smart with that. And so he, he brought me in kind of part-time, taught me a bunch, of, a bunch of things that I didn't know about coaching, uh, taught me a lot more about CrossFit methodology and all that kind of thing and kind of what his vision was. Right. You know, and I just uh, I rolled with that for about a year and a half. Circumstances changed, and I ended up out of Key West. Mm -hmm. And here we are. And here I am in Jacksonville now. Right. And I remember this. Via Alaska, by the way. <laughs> right, that's I that's the a whole different part of the story. We called you. You were in Alaska mm -hmm. on, we'll just call it spring break. Holiday. Yeah, holiday. <laughs> we're like, where are you? Like, yeah. You're in like a little cubby up in, up in Alaska chilling. Yeah, I was. I was, uh, I was planning on spending the whole summer up there. I have friends that are stationed up there. They're like, you want out of Key West? Come on up. You can just, you can come on up. We'll, you stay in the camper. Road. You stay in the camper. We won't charge you nothing. Just come on up and enjoy Alaska summer. Okay. Deal. Easy enough. Um, but after about a month of that, I was like, okay, back to real life. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm ready to do something. <laughs> I mean, different. this has been fun. It's been, it's been great. But, you know, real life's calling. Yeah. Uh, probably need to figure that out sometime soon. And, you know, when you came to us, you know, one of your things in your cover letter was, you know, you were looking to make this a career. Mm -hmm. You were looking to be a professional coach. You were looking to be somewhere that would nurture your education mm -hmm. along the way. How has it been going so far? You've been with us for, we're coming up on a year. Yeah, it'll be a year in July. Yes. But, no, it's been, like, 
I couldn't have asked for anything better. Like the situation that you guys have put me in has been amazing. Um, from the educational standpoint, you know, the ALP program that we're going through, on top of all the experience that you and Sherry and Mel and Aaron and you know everybody in their their different backgrounds, like I have I have pulled so much information out of you already. I'm you know a hundred times the coach that I was anywhere else. And I love um, that you um you stepped right in and basically picked up the ball and went running with it which is awesome because that's that's exactly what we needed especially you know when you came to us in July we're like we need we need help right like, we need a coach and not only for classes but to get you up and running with personal training and assessments and because our our vision for this as you know is is pretty big yes Right. And you didn't hesitate one bit to step in and be like, yep, I see that vision. I'm right there with you guys and we're going to do this thing. Let's go. And let's do it. it. You know, and, um, we went out to lunch, mm-hmm. me, you and Mel. We talked about, was it Mel? And Sherry. Mel. Sherry was there too. Yeah, me, you, Mel and Sherry. Yep. And we talked about all of the things. And from minute one, kind of like what we explained with Aaron is... You know, we're brutally honest about this is our vision. This is where we're heading. We're moving down this path. If you disagree, tell us now. Right. right? No, I had a lot of respect for that. It's like you guys had a very clear idea of what you were trying to do. Yeah. And, you know, you can't have people half in. Yeah. True story. Because yeah. if you're, I mean, if you're half in, then it's like you you don't really understand what you're coaching mm-hmm. it's hard to coach the why when you don't see the vision of where you are and where it's heading right it makes it makes people stray right and it makes people wonder and question a little bit too much so what's one of what do you feel is one of the biggest things that you've learned that you feel is wow i don't know if i can narrow that down there's been so many things um Let me get back to you on that one. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> Give me a second. We'll, we'll, Let's circle back. I'm going to have to process that for just a minute. Let's um, circle back. There's, a, there's so many things that I've picked up since I've been here. And I mean, yeah, it's been, what, seven seven months now? Yeah. Like, and it's, but it's constantly, it's constantly new information for me. Like, yeah. every day I come in, I'm picking up something somewhere from somebody. Um, so it's almost a, it's a, it's a never-ending learning cycle for me and trying to, kind of keep everything straight and process everything so that yeah. I can actually utilize it um, when it comes time, you know, whether it's with my PT clients or whether it's the class. Actually, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest thing is having having our coaches' development. I love it's it. It's not something that I've really had in the past. You know, when I was in Key West, Jeff and I would meet every now and then and we'd talk about a few things, but it was never as in-depth as what we talk about here. You know, going through the programming. Why are we doing this? Do you guys understand all the movements that we're doing? Do you understand why we're doing it this way as opposed to this way? Do you understand the overall intent of what this cycle is? You know, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and audit your class. I'm going to give you some feedback and some critique on what you, what, what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, so that was really beneficial to me. That's um, awesome. A lot of people don't take criticism very well. and I used to be one of them. <laughs> I still don't necessarily enjoy it, but right. I do welcome it now because I know that with everybody here, it's it's all about making us better. 
Yeah. You know, so I don't I don't take anything personally. If it's like, hey, you forgot to talk about this or you forgot to do this or don't do it that way. It should have been done this way. Yeah. Okay. No problem. I will note that for next time and I won't make that mistake again. Um, so that's something that I really do appreciate about this. Which is awesome. And, you know, one of the things that we love about this team is that everybody's always asking, how did I do? Mm -hmm. How do you think I did? Mm -hmm. What can I do better? And we're always striving to be better, which brings me into the topic that you and I were just talking about this right before we jumped on here mm -hmm. about this being a real job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's so many people that, you know, as we've been talking throughout all of these podcasts that they literally don't believe this is a real job, that this is something that you do until you go out and you get a big girl or big boy job right? that has what they believe is the office hours and the assistants and so on and so forth. And to me, this job carries far more weight than some of those real sure. jobs. And I would say most of us are putting in more hours than a real job. Yeah, I would sure. agree with that. You know, it's, it's only a few classes a day that, that each one of us is coaching, but then, you know, you've got your PT clients, you've got, um, you know, programming, you've got you know, ALP and all of our studies that we've got to do. Like, there's a ton of other stuff that's going on that most people don't ever see. No, um, like the, the behind the door stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You like know, like this, for example. Right. Uh, you know, yeah, another another hour today that we're going to talk about all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's still, while, sure, it's not manual labor. You know, I'm not out swinging a hammer and, you know, pounding nails or anything like that. Right. But it's still it's still work. It's still our job. Yeah. So. Um, there's yeah. a mental component. There's an emotional component. Sure. There's the physical component. Because on top of all of this, you know, we believe in being a product of our product. Mm-hmm. So if I'm telling somebody to eat chicken and drink less alcohol, I better be eating chicken and drinking less alcohol. <laughs> if I tell someone, hey, you need to have a three-second tempo on that back squat, I better have a three-second tempo on that back squat. Right. You know, um, and I think one of the coolest things that Sherry and I have watched since you have joined us is watching you progress physically. One of the things when you started with us was your knees, mm -hmm. and I believe there was a hip, potentially. But I know well, you, I know your knees the, were a big part of it. Yeah, they, they kind of co they kind of go hand in hand with each other. Like there's so. one one's affecting the other uh -huh. at the moment. So one hundred percent. So you you're a national level rower. Mm -hmm. You sit on a Concept Two rower for a very long period of time. Mm, yes, I do. <laughs> you're really dang good at it. You're Thank really you. good at coaching it. You're really good at performing in it. What I love about it is that your, your dedication to it is something that if people would just take five seconds to admire, they could learn a lot from just your dedication to rowing. And I think, I think it's extremely impressive. I hope so. Because sitting on a rower for an hour, two hours at a time takes a lot of patience it takes a lot of dedication, but it also takes a lot of body work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and this, I believe this applies to anything, and I've talked about it a lot, whether you're competing in the sport of fitness, whether you're an Olympic lifter, a power lifter, a competitive rower, a golfer, professional, whatever it is, it's not just that. Mm -hmm. 
So you don't walk into the gym and say, you know what? Hey, I'm going to be a competitive rower and I'm just going to sit my ass on this rower and I'm going to follow this rowing program and I'm going to be the best rower. There's more to that training, you know, and I watch you do a kettlebell program. I watch you do accessory work. I watch you do corrective exercises. I watched you barely be able to do a couch stretch <laughs> to now you can do a couch stretch. You can squat. So let's talk about that evolution a little bit. Yeah. So with, with all my time in the military, you know, we were, we ran all the time. I wasn't necessarily excited about that, but I got pretty good at it just from, you know, sheer, we had to. It's part of our PT test. You had to be fast. So I learned how to run or I thought I had learned how to run. Um, <laughs> turns out I'd had some pretty poor running mechanics for a very long time. So because of that resulted in some pretty worn out knees. Um, right. So prior to getting out, I'd had both, um, both knees were scoped, you know, meniscus tears. Most of the medial meniscus is gone. So it's a lot of bone on bone, and they were even talking about replacement surgery. Um, even at, I was 44 at the time. Yeah. Like, you need them replaced, but you're not old enough. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, what do I do in the meantime? Deal with it. One for everybody listening, you're, it's not like you're 22. You are No, no, 50. I'm 50. Yeah. yeah I, I'm still weird to say that. It's been, you know, <laughs> well, almost as long as I turned 50 shortly after I joined here. Yeah. So, um yeah. Um, so yeah, eventually I just ended up having to stop running. So by the time I got out of the army, I'd stopped running pretty much completely. Mm. Um, and then I started developing more and more pain with those joints. Um, having a kind of a long layoff from the gym while I was doing other things didn't help. Right. But while I was in Key West, it, it got it got really severe to the point where I'd have a hard time standing for more than maybe 15, 20 minutes at a time, like mm -hmm. just super sharp shooting, throbbing pain that never went away. Mm -hmm. I'd, even when I was done sitting on the couch or laying in bed, it was always there. Right. Um, so yeah, it made things pretty, um, pretty unbearable for quite a long time. Fast forward to here, we went through my assessment and you're like, that's not very good. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> You know, I could barely like to even to try to even try to sit back on my heels, getting my butt to my heels. I was easily a foot short. Like I just yeah. could not. I could barely get into that kneeling position. They hurt so bad. Um, so we talked about that. Yeah. You know, we immediately started working on some of the corrective exercises for that. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I didn't stay as consistent as I should have. Mm -hmm. And so that's why. Um, I probably didn't see the progress that I could have seen had I been a little better with it. Um, and I think one of our first homework assignments for you was for you to write your own programming, mm -hmm. your own corrective exercise program. Yep, it sure was. And I mean, I still do, and I've gotten back to it. I've been much better about it uh, recently. And yeah, I've seen a ton of improvement, you know, to the point where I still have pain, but you know, I'm still able to get into all the positions that I need to. I can sit at the bottom of my squat. Some yeah. days it might take me a little longer to get down there than others, but I can get down there and yeah. I can hold it. Um, I can get into the couch stretch and I can almost get my butt to my heel now. So it's, impressive. it's, yeah, it's gotten exponentially better just in 
the seven months or so that I've been here. And I know deep down, had I, like I said, had I been more consistent, I would have seen that those results a lot sooner. Yeah. So um, that's that's for everybody out there. If you just stick with it, I promise it'll work. It works. It definitely works. I promise works. it'll work. And you know, I've seen you jump into classes, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome, being able to participate in our built classes mm-hmm. with no issues. I love that program, you know. by the way. I've seen I you. I love it. Oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's not just my you know, my bias from being, you know, being an employee here. From, yeah. Um, I just enjoy most of the structure of all of it. I love the movements. They're different, mm-hmm. but they're still very effective. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's probably the hardest thing for a lot of people to really see is, okay, this is definitely different than what I'm used to, especially coming from CrossFit. When you're doing, you're doing your Oli lifts mm-hmm. and you're doing all the basic compound movements and now all of a sudden we're shifting. We're still hitting all the same areas. We're just doing it in a little different fashion. Yeah, and when you understand the why behind those movements and like the benefit that it could bring to your daily life, Mm -hmm. it can be really eye-opening if you let it. Exactly, exactly. And we'll talk about some mental perception here in just a little bit (laughs) as well. But yeah, seeing you jump into class, you know, I watch you coach multiple hours a day in a row. I see you with PT clients, like not at any point would I look at you and be like, hey, that guy's got knee problems. Like never, it's not like you walk around with a limp. No. I never, I very rarely see you sit down. I mean, when we moved into this place, you were a machine at helping us with putting up pull-up rigs and putting down the flooring. I mean, kneeling on the floor at every square inch of this flooring has glue underneath it. So we were Mm -hmm. on our hands and knees (laughs) troweling this thing with 6,000 square feet of rubber flooring. And not at any time would anyone have ever said, wow, that guy's got to have a knee problem, which is awesome. I was just saying that to myself. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, don't let him see it. Don't Don't let let him see it. it. Suck it up. Suck (laughs) it up. Put on a brave face. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been amazing having you here for seven months and just... From, like I said, from the second you walked in the door to now, you've been such a huge benefit to our team. Thank you. And being able to help you with that education that you were looking for and making this a lifelong job that is a career Mm -hmm. and not a hobby. You know, we're super happy we were able to provide that as well. As am I. Fantastic. (laughs) So let's talk about, I want to jump back to your rowing. Okay. Right? Because we have a seminar coming up this weekend. Correct. Um, is it okay to announce that we are looking at a rowing club? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. So go ahead. Let's announce yeah, I mean, it. It's something I think I brought up from more or less from day one. I think at um, lunch, that first, yeah, like the I mean, first second I met you. So. Let's talk about a rowing club. Well, how much time we got? Because it's one of those things. You'll get me going. I may not stop. Let's so, go. Um, yeah, as most people know, indoor rowing has been my thing for, oh, I've been a competitive rower for a little over five years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. I love everything about it. And a lot of it came from having knee problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to do that without any pain. So I was able to get, I was able to get into that and find an activity that I could do that, that provided that pain relief. And as it turned out, I just kind of happened to be good at it. I didn't, I didn't know I was good at it at first. Like, I just did it for the exercise yeah. and you're perfectly built for it um, <laughs> yeah I, I, 
I could nice be a little tall, bit taller. Nice I could tall, be a little bit nice taller. Nice tall dude with long legs. Perfect. Um, I could be a little taller. I'd be a little more competitive. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we've looked at uh, we looked at doing a row club, and that would simply be um, right now we've talked about maybe one day a week and doing like an eight week block of instruction and programming and um, being able to get together an entire group of people and do row specific workouts. Yeah. Um, working on building better technique and better efficiency and just helping people understand how to be better on that machine and hopefully find a little more enjoyment out of it. Absolutely. Because I see a lot of people that their faces don't really give off enjoyment when they're on the machine. <laughs> enjoyment exactly is probably not the word I would use to describe what most of them are feeling. Mm -mm. Um, so that's kind of where I come in. I, I want to I help everybody get a little bit better at it so it doesn't feel like such a struggle. Yeah. Because if you have poor mechanics on it, it just feels like so much extra work and you're not mm -hmm. going anywhere. Yeah, and so technically it, it almost is. It, more or less, yeah. So um, the mechanics are a very big part of it and that's really where the focus would be. I mean, on top of getting some conditioning work. Right. But the way we, the way we talk about structuring it is doing the clinic this weekend mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be you know, uh, an abbreviated version of mechanics and drills and kind of identifying people's deficiencies so that they can work on those themselves. And then the row club would be that opportunity to A, get some coaching as well as work on those inefficiencies that they had on top of getting a really good workout in. So come to the clinic, learn what we've got to learn what I have to offer there. And then with that, that's your prerequisite to jump into Ferrum Row Club. The row club. The row club. And, you know, I think um, where exercise enthusiasts get a little bit crazy with stuff such as this is, hey, I saw at the games that they rode a marathon. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go row a marathon. You probably don't just go row a marathon. It's probably a really bad idea. Even you know, I have never rode a marathon. And it looks very painful. <laughs> I've seen a really close friend of ours do it at least once a year. And we cheer her on, and I'm like, that looks miserable. Mm -hmm. But also, you're talking about, when we talk about you sitting on a rower for hours at a time, we are talking about the same repetitive movement over and over and over again. And the human body can only handle so much of that, mm -hmm. right? So first of all, you need to be somewhat conditioned Correct. before you just jump on a rower and row a 5K, a half marathon, a marathon. Right. Your tissue, your tissue has a capacity, it will break down. For someone who's like, you know what, I'm just going to start rowing. And I'm just going to row a lot because it's got to be good for my cardio. Once again, it's not much different than that, hey, I'm just going to go out and start running. Exactly. And you just repetitively run over and over and over again. And then before long, you have either a knee, a hip, a back issue. So... Let's talk about the importance of those corrective exercises and the stuff you do that's not on the rower mm -hmm. to be able to sit on a rower for a long period of time without locking up or doing something to your back to where you can't walk for a week and a half. So I do a lot of posterior chain work. So a lot of people don't really understand. If you don't understand the mechanics of rowing, you're using close to 80% of the muscles in your body. 
-hmm. Most of that is on your backside. It's your back, it's your shoulders, it's your hamstrings, it's your glutes, it's all of that stuff. So the stronger, obviously, you can make those, the more conditioned you can be in those areas, the better, easier being on the rower for longer periods is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I spend, I spend a lot of time doing kettlebell swings. A, because I really enjoy them, but B, because they're just a really effective tool for strengthening that entire posterior chain. Yeah. Um, takes a lot of core work. You know, people don't realize how much your core is involved in, in actually controlling your, uh, your stroke. Yeah. Anytime, every time you go to sit back, you're engaging your core to stop you from going all the way over and falling off the back of the machine. Have really so if abs you, Exactly. So if you have a weak core, you're going to have a really bad position in the back. You're also going to put your low back at risk because you're not able to stabilize. Yeah. Um, a lot of people also misunderstand the stroke and thinking that it's a big arm pull. It's actually very, very minimal. Mm -hmm. um, something that I cover during the clinic is the percentage breakdown of where your power comes from. Oh, awesome. So 60% of your power in your row stroke comes from your legs, mm -hmm. 60%. 30% comes from your hips opening at the back and only 10% comes from that arm pull. Your arms and hands are just basically there to connect you to the machine. That's yeah. it. Everything else comes from your lower body. So if you think of, if you think of rowing very similar to a deadlift or like a, a power clean. Okay. Same mechanics. You drive with your legs, you aggressively open your hips, and then your arms are just kind of finishing off whatever movement that you're doing. Right That's at the it. very end. That's yeah. it. And you know, even something as small as ankle mobility. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have any ankle dorsiflexion, meaning if that knee can't track forward towards that toe, that plays a big row, a big, a big row, a big <laughs> role. Yes, absolutely. In how you row. Um, it's actually one of the areas that I need more work on too. Um, to be able to set up my start position a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, always there's always something to work on. Um, even as as much time as I've spent on that machine, I can I'm always finding things that I need to improve on to make it a little bit better for me. So. Yeah, and watching you prepare for things like nationals and bigger competitions leads me into my conversation about sport because. We're all naturally competitive people if put into the right environment. Like, if you have to fight or flight, you're probably going to, you're, you gotta pick one of them, right? You're either going to stand there and fight or you're gonna run. So anytime you're put into a competitive atmosphere, you're going to naturally compete and you didn't even know that you were competitive. It's, it's gonna happen, right? Yeah. So what I'm thinking of is, People that mistaken training for health and training for sport. Right. If you take up rowing because you love to row and you put you put you next to somebody else and you start rowing, hey, we're gonna row every single day and I'm gonna try and beat you every single day. But if you're not doing it for a reason, you're really just driving your body into the ground. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you're gonna start training for sport, there should be an end goal. Absolutely. In mind. Absolutely. Right? Like you are going to compete in a competition mm -hmm. at this. Otherwise, you're kind of just spinning your wheels. Like doing it for doing it for health looks totally different than Eric training for nationals. Oh, absolutely. 
right? Absolutely. The, the, the programming that I would have to use to be competitive in a race is, I mean, you wouldn't even recognize it compared to what I would do just coming in to get a workout in. Um, they, they really would be night and day. A, because I'd have to be much more um, conscious of my programming if I was trying to be competitive with it. Because you've got to factor in all your rest. You've got to factor in, you know, what specifically are you trying to do? What race am I racing? You know, what distance am I racing? That's going to determine how a lot of those training pieces go. Whereas if I'm just working out three times a week, just trying to get some, a little bit of conditioning in, I really don't have to, to write out much of a program. Just set the monitor for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes and just row and work on some mechanics and, and get your heart rate up. So, yeah, it's night and day difference on what those would look like. You know, and you're talking about a difference in volume. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You're talking about a difference in lifestyle. Absolutely. Um, you're talking about a difference in, like, when we talk about a sport program, you know, let's say that your race is in August. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a ramp-up period. There needs to be a deload period. Your nutrition, your sleep, your hydration, like, everything goes into into account mm-hmm. when Absolutely. it comes to that just being prepared for that race in August. Right. You know, and if you're if you're training for your general health, like you said, 20 30 minutes, yes, you need some good sleep. Do you need to be obsessed with listen, I need 9 hours and 22 seconds of sleep every single night, right? right? Um you can get away with having some cheat meals if you have an occasional alcoholic beverage, but during season, like none of that applies. And I think this is where people get confused between health and sport. Oh, for sure. For sure. hundred percent. You know, even, even professionals don't do everything exactly right. Every time, you know, every day, like you, you can, you can find it out there. As soon as season's over, what are most of them doing? pizza and donuts and cookies and cakes and all that stuff that they couldn't have for months and months and months. Yeah. So it's just, it's natural when you deprive yourself of something for so long because you're so focused on one outcome that as soon as you don't have to focus on that anymore, it's like this weight is lifted off your shoulders. Like, okay, I have some freedom now. Yeah. It's, um. <laughs> it's literally two totally different lifestyles. Yeah. 100%. Without a doubt. Which leads me into my next topic, that you are one of our nutrition coaches here. I am. Which is fantastic. You know, you, when, and that was one of our big conversations when you started with us. It was nutrition. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, and what I love is the people that you have worked with thus far have made really big life changes. Yeah. You know, um, I think people misunderstand nutrition to be very black and white. It's like, hey, you're just, you're going to tell this person to eat chicken and rice and broccoli. And they're just going to do it. Right. And it doesn't work that way. No, not at all. And it's, you know, it's, that was kind of a a big eye opener for me once I started studying a little bit more. You know, once I went through, you know, went through uh, Precision Nutrition, which, you know, one of the leading nutrition programs in the country. Um, But a lot of what they talked about is the behavior behind Mm -hmm. it you know it's it's the mental aspect of it we can sit down and break down macros and you know protein and carbs and all that kind of stuff we talk about that till we're blue in the face 
But if you have a lot of bad habits that you've had for years and years and years and years and years, it doesn't matter how much we talk about numbers. No. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we, t you know, eat this. Unless you can change yourself mentally, unless you can change your way of thinking, mm -hmm. then it's not going to be sustainable. Absolutely. Like you can make those short-term changes because somebody tells you to do it, but until you actually wrap your mind around what you're doing and why you're doing it, the the long-term change really isn't going to come. Yeah, and here comes our, our mental perception conversation. So when we perceive things to be a certain way, it makes it really hard for us to see it as any other way. So when I see my life as super stressful and the only way that I can handle that stress is to come home at night and have an alcoholic beverage and sit on my couch and watch TV. In order for me to change that perception that that is not what I need to handle my stress, I have to understand that there is a different behavior that can help me handle that stress better. You know, and we talk all the time about alcohol lies. Mm -hmm. Like alcohol is lying to you. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. It is not relieving your stress. It's not helping you sleep any better. It's not making you feel better. It's totally smashing all of your gains that mm -hmm. you're getting in the gym. Like it's, it's lying to you. Absolutely. And it's a horrible downward spiral. And one of the things I know that you've worked with one of your clients on is changing the mental perception perception around alcohol. Right. And he did amazingly well with that. Yeah. And, you know, to be quite honest, I didn't have a ton of input with that. I mean, we had talked about it. We had touched on it. But a lot of that came when he started changing how he ate. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the biggest factor with that was once, once we increased his overall protein intake, he wasn't getting the cravings that he had been getting. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't snacking later in the day. He was also finding that alcohol just didn't taste as good. So mm -hmm. even though he would have a drink or two, he'd find that he just, on his own, just kind of stopped he didn't enjoy having it. it. Like he'd have two or three and it's like, okay, I just, I don't really want, I don't, I'm good. I don't want any more. Yeah. Um, and that's, that was a very big change because before all that, it would have been, Two leads to three, leads to four, leads to a six pack, leads to who, who knows how many more. Right. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, I think there's a really big correlation with nutrition and those cravings that you get. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the the more you can control one, the easier it is to kind of control that other one. And that mental perception of oh well, I've done this, I'll just keep going because I'm now so far off the rails. And then that, so that turns into an entire day yeah. of being off the rails. And then you're like, oh, well, screw it. I'm, I've already done that. Now you're talking about a whole weekend. Oh, well, I've already done the whole weekend. Then I don't feel like going to the gym on Monday. Like it becomes a downward spiral and it's really a mental perception. It's a series of justifications for bad behavior. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's really what it comes down to. It's like you, you make one little mistake and instead of going, okay, it's okay. I made a mistake. No big deal let's let's fix it and then we'll move right. on instead it's oh i made a mistake so i'm gonna go make another one right and then i'm gonna make another one it's like well i've already screwed this up yep. so here <laughs> we go I'm tumbling down the hill. yeah um so a lot of times it ends up just being it's a lot easier to justify the bad choices yeah um, than it is to just accept it and reset and 
You know, and that's the other thing too, is people, people think that if they make one mistake that all of that progress is gone, and that's just not the case. It's like, no, okay, so case. You, had, you had one bad meal or you had one bad day. Shrug it off, tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. Now, you know what you need to do. Just pick up, pick up in the morning and, and start over. Yeah, and a lot of these, a lot of the conversations that you have with nutrition clients is literally this. Yes. You know, it's, it is. It's, it's like, not like you're talking about, like I said, chicken versus Snicker bars. Right. It, you know, you, you, can, you can give people tools and try to help them understand what, um, what the overall intent is. But in, until they, they really grasp it for mm -hmm. themselves, then, then it, it's, very, it's definitely challenging. Yeah. Um, but it's absolutely doable. It's absolutely 100%. doable. You know, it's all about having a growth mindset mm -hmm. and you can go from being a person who's very, who's very rigid. Like, this is how I live my life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And nobody's going to talk me into doing anything different until you realize that your mind's a very powerful thing and you have the ability to do something different. You have the ability to think differently. You have the ability to view things from a different perspective, you just have to decide that that's what you want to do. Exactly. And that decision, a lot of times, is, is the hardest part. Awareness for people is something that, especially in our society of social media... It's uncomfortable. Is super uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to sit down and identify, you know, your faults. Yes. I know, nobody wants to admit that they have faults. We, we were talking about this before we started today. It's like yeah. being more self-aware and trying to understand, you know, your own behaviors is very challenging, mm -hmm. you know, and it's something that I'm constantly working on. You know, I'm, I'm always trying to be better. Yeah. Not always very good at it, but you know, I'm always <laughs> trying to be better. Um, so being a little more self-aware and, you know, different behaviors and, and, you know, how I kind of react to things yeah. is kind of a big focus for me right now. And now we circle back around to our discussion on coaching. Yes. And we actually had an amazing team meeting today mm -hmm. um, where we talked about what you just brought up. Um, one of the big things that I've personally been working on is my need to feel like I need to do everything. And this is, this has been a big thing for me. Um, Sherry's told me for years, <laughs> like, Hey, have so-and-so do this. And you, you feel me on this one. We're on the same page. Oh, absolutely. When it comes to this. Absolutely. And it stems from years of being on our own. Having to be self-sufficient. Yeah. Where you're used to like, Hey, this needs to be done. I'm just going to do it. This needs to be done. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. My awareness is now like when I do something, I'm like, time out. Do I need to be doing this or does Eric need to be doing this? Right. Is this something that I as the owner should be doing or is this something I need to give to Mel or Aaron or delegate to somebody else? So that awareness has taken me a long time to get to this point. Right. Mm -hmm. And as far as us as coaches are concerned, our awareness on our behavior, our communication, how we present ourselves, how we handle ourselves, I believe that that's what steps us from the hobbyist to the professional. Absolutely. Big time. Mm -hmm. So things that you've been working on 
well that as well that being being aware of that i don't have to do everything it's okay to ask somebody for help Uh, or if you know if i'm pressed for time and i'm you know it's okay to delegate it's okay to call in a favor or whatever however you want to describe it um for me a lot of times it's my mouth tends to get ahead of my brain so (laughs) so a lot of times i will say something and not realize either the tone or the context or like how it actually sounded to somebody else until after the fact it's like well, I can't take that back, so <laughs> let's just try not to do that again. Um, so that that's probably the biggest thing for me is I, I tend to I tend to let my mouth run a little free sometimes when it probably shouldn't. Yeah, and us as a team, we're working on that. You know, words matter. Yes. And yes. the way that you even things like I need to do this, like the word need. Mm-hmm. If you replace the word need with want or I am going to do this, it changes just that small change changes in our mind, the perception of when that's going to get done. Right. Right. So if you're walking around saying, hey, I need to hang that picture. The next day you walk in, I need to hang that picture. Day three, you walk in, you're like, I'm going to hang that picture. Suddenly it's just, it's a small change in wording. But to your brain, it's an action. Correct. Now we're going to do it. Correct. You know, and if if people were to realize that, like how important the weight of words are and how our brain recognizes that, Mm -hmm. how our communication with other people affects our behavior on a daily basis. And uh, how we talk to ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I've been guilty of that for a very long time of talking negatively of myself when something doesn't go as maybe I had planned it to. So um, nobody's really immune from it. It happens to all of us. Yeah. And, you know, I love that you bring that up because that starts to translate into how we work out Mm -hmm. and when we work out or if we work out. Like there are people that sometimes that that negative framing in their mind and that negative um, that negative talk prevents them from making the positive changes in their life that they need. Like there are people in this world that believe that they should never walk into a gym because they weigh too much or they don't have the self-confidence to be able to ask a coach for help. And then again, on the other flip side of that, there's a lot of fitness facilities that aren't very welcoming to those people either. Correct. So we have the person saying the talk to themselves. You have fitness facilities in this world that are kind of affirming that negative talk like, hey, check out, as certain social media posts would call it, (laughs) check out the ass and abs that we have here. And the person that doesn't have that is going to be like, well, that's not my place. Right. Because I'm never going to have that. I don't look like that. I don't have the confidence for that. So how have we been working to change all of that perception? Well, I think a lot of that comes down to being welcoming to those people that come in the door. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what your current state is. We want to be able to help you. You know, if you came here, if you came to us because you, you obviously want to make a change, 
you want something, you want something to change. So you come in that door and the first thing we're, the first thing we're going to do is we're all going to welcome you, whether, whether it's you, whether it's Mel, whether it's Aaron, like all of us at some point are probably going to have some kind of interaction with a brand new client. Yeah. Making them feel like they, it's okay for them to be here. Mm -hmm. Like, and once, once you can break that little barrier, everything else is, is a lot easier. Yeah. I think we talked about that with a client, about a client earlier. We did. Um, where it was, I'm never, you'll never see me there. You'll never see me there. You'll never see me there. And all of a sudden, after just a little bit of interaction, here they are. We're going to see her there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and you know, when those people do walk in and they sit down and we have a conversation of, why are you here? Like, yeah. what, bring, what brings you to me today? And we take the time to listen to what it is exactly that's keeping them where they are. Right. You know, when you meet somebody where they are, like, I don't expect someone to lose 30 pounds before they walk in the store. No, that's... That's, that, that, that's our if, job, literally. If you, if you lost 30 pounds before you came in the door, you wouldn't need to come in the door. Yeah. You know? If you so knew how to do that. Exactly. Um, you know, or the same thing of, well, I just need to get stronger, or I just need for my back to stop hurting, or, you know, that's literally what we do. Yes. You know, and our job is to as professionals is to walk that journey with them. It's not saying, Hey, you're going to do this, go out and do it. It's, Hey, we're going to do this. How does that feel? And I, th I think that's the, one of the biggest things that we have to offer is that, that lack of intimidation. We take that intimidation of the gym kind of out of the equation. Yeah. It's like, come on in. We got you. Come on in. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Now, what do we need? What do we need to fix? Yeah. What are we, what are we working on? Yeah. And being um, kind of being in that position as opposed to just business member, give me your money, come to class. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's a whole huge range in between there yeah. that, that we fill in um, better than most places. I love that. So. You know, and it's been it's been awesome having you on board with us and watching you grow into the professional coach that you're wanting to be even at the age of 50 yeah <laughs> which is fantastic right. you know and i what i believe you know for all of us because with the exception of i think aaron and sienna that are in their early 20s right all of us are seasoned veterans when it comes to sports when it comes to working out when it comes to injuries so in nutrition, we have the ability to speak from experience, which makes us, number one, a little bit more vulnerable, um, number two, more relatable. So when people do walk in the door and be like, I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> I say that a lot. <laughs> it's like, oh, my shoulder hurts today. I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly. Oh, my knee. Yep. I know exactly how you feel. I got it. I got you. You know, I've been there. I've done that. So let's talk about how we're going to walk you through yes, this journey. Yes, exactly. Which is very cool. Yeah. Well, Coach, I appreciate you spending some time with me today. Well, thank you for having me. So for everybody that wants to be your number one fan on social media, do you know your social media? Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Eric versus the Erg. Yeah. <laughs> appropriate. A rowing, uh, rowing uh, reference for sure. Very uh, appropriate. So follow me there. I'm not super active on it much anymore, but every now and then I'll throw in a little nugget here and there. So. I like it. And we got a row club coming up, so stay tuned for that. 
Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ferrum Athletic Company podcast. If you like the show, please leave us a review, share it with your family and friends, share it on your social media platforms. Our mission is to build better humans through the education of health and movement. If this resonates with you, please shoot us an email at forged at ferrumathletico.com. Follow us on social media, Facebook or Instagram at Ferrum Athletico. And we will see you all soon. Thank you for helping us to build better humans.